This shit a motherfucking layup. I been Steph Curry with the shot. Been cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 53 of Curry in the Pot. Man, it feels good to be back, man. I'm bike. It's been a long time. It's been a little over a month since the last time I did an episode. A lot of things have transpired, occurred, happened, whatever you want to say. A lot of things have taken place. The NBA Finals is upon us. I know I didn't get to you guys to do a preview before it, but I'm going to react to game one and talk about what I think is going to occur in the rest of the series. And yeah, it's just it just feels good to be back, guys. I know you guys miss me. I missed you guys. I miss delivering content, but I'm back. So let's hop right into it. You already know where I'm going to start. Yep, I'm going to start with the NBA Finals. I'm going to talk about game one. Now, game one of the 2018 finals will not be looked upon as just a game one loss as the Warriors defeated the Cavs in overtime. It will be looked at later down the road as the J.R. Smith game. And I'm going to talk about why I think that's a little unfair, but it's going to be looked at upon as the J.R. Smith game and him not thinking, basically. But... Also in that game, LeBron James became the sixth player in NBA history to record 50-plus in the NBA Finals, but he was the first player to lose after scoring 50-plus. Man, LeBron, I kind of feel for you, but I'm going to talk about this J.R. Smith play that took place late in the fourth quarter down the stretch. So we all know what happened. George Hill gets fouled. LeBron passes George Hill open. I'm tired of people saying that George Hill was wide open. No, LeBron passed him open kind of like he gave him the ball in an in a, in a okay spot. It wasn't the best spot. Not like George Hill was wide open. So let's cease that nonsense. But LeBron passes to George Hill. He gets fouled. He goes to the free throw line. And, you know, the commentators, they always say, oh, he's going to the free throw line. He's shooting 81%. For the playoffs. But he hasn't taken a free throw tonight. I said, oh, he's missing. As soon as they said that, I said, he's missing. He's going to miss one. So he goes to the free throw line. He sinks the first. He goes to the free throw line and misses the second. But J.R. Smith comes up with the rebound. Appears to be dribbling out the clock as if the game is over. LeBron James is cringing, screaming, asking for the ball. And we go to overtime all because of that. So... We go to overtime, and as we all saw, the Warriors dominated them, hitting threes, and they won by 10 in overtime. But I'm going to talk about why this is a little bit unfair to J.R. Smith. Many people had their takes on it. Stephen A. Smith said it was idiotic, and he was brain dead. He looks high. I mean, we all know J.R. Smith looks high, but that's besides the point. He's saying he was idiotic and brain dead. Gilbert Arenas provided an instant perspective that I thought it was very instant, and I and I really agreed with it. So I'm going to talk about that. So Stephen A. Smith went on the record, went on first take. Well, I'm sorry, ESPN after the game, he went on first take and said pretty much the same thing the next day. But he said that what J.R. Smith did was idiotic and brain dead. And Gilbert Arenas had a very instant response. You guys know I don't curse. This has profanity in it. But I'm not going to say exactly what he said. But I'm going to say pretty much what he said. So he said, this is why I hate listening to bandwagon reporters. You said JR was asleep at the wheel. 
How about the other four players? How about the coaching staff? You look at what JR did, but not looking at what everyone else didn't do, which I thought was very interesting. George Hill tied the game, and the Cavs' whole team assumed the second one was going in, and JR came up with the rebound off the miss. Brain dead, sleep at the wheel is not knowing <laughs> you have time, you have a timeout, which means all five players on the court, plus the main person, the coach. It's easy to blame JR for not knowing, but none of them knew they had a timeout left to call because the whole team was asleep at the wheel. This was not a this was not a yeah. This was not just a team mess up, but a JR, but not just uh JR Smith. So what Gilbert Arenas was basically saying was it's not all JR Smith's fault. And I agree with him because the Cavaliers did have a timeout remaining. JR Smith got the rebound, it was like four seconds left in the game. Call a timeout, draw something up. All four other players could have called a timeout. LeBron James is the coach on the floor. Tyron Lue is the head coach. He could have called a timeout. They could have drew up something. Who knows? And so much for J.R. Smith getting the blame. George Hill, he didn't get the blame. He missed the second free throw. They could have went up by one. I know it's about roughly four seconds left in the game. The Warriors could still draw up something. But if George Hill makes the free throw, you take your chances on defense. So that's that. And... I just think I'm not I'm not excusing J.R. Smith at all. I don't know what he was doing. Of course, there was a lot of funny memes and stuff on Twitter and Instagram, however, but I don't I'm not letting him off the hook, obviously, in a time management situation, a crucial situation like that. And he's shooting a free throw. So you should be looking up, you know, at the big jumbotron to look at the score, the timeouts, the fouls, all that stuff that's right there. And he should have known that, hey, you know. If he misses this, we get I get the rebound. We have a chance, to, you know, to win it in regulation. But I understand that, you know, he blew it, but they went into overtime, okay? Last time I checked, when two teams go into overtime, the game is tied, and it's just the end of regulation. There's five more minutes left to be played if we don't go to another overtime. So for so much of them blaming J.R. Smith, they had a chance to win in overtime. It's not, it's not far-fetched to say they could win in overtime. I know LeBron's probably gassed out after having such a heroic, great performance, but they went into overtime and still had a chance to win despite all the craziness that occurred late in the fourth quarter. Which leads me to something interesting that Skip Bayless said. If LeBron were truly better than MJ, he tweeted this the other night, he wouldn't have berated J.R. Smith publicly heaping blame on him. He would have rallied his troops, reset the tone by immediately attacking in overtime. Game was still tied. That's what I just said. Still, still there for the stealing. Instead, went out lifeless, went 0-4 in overtime and got blown out. And then there was a tweet below it, which I just talked about. The narrative that George Hill was open and LeBron made the right play is wrong. LeBron had Curry on him at the top with no double. LeBron James had Steph Curry on him at the top with no double team. George Hill made a nice cut, okay? LeBron tried to pass him open to, like, he could have just took the shot. He had Steph Curry on him, okay? LeBron James, 6'8", 270, and Steph Curry is 6'3", like, buck 90? At best. So LeBron, I understand that, you know, it's not like you to be the killer and take the big shot all the time. But 
You had Steph Curry on you. I think you should have taken the shot instead of trying to pass George Hill open. It was still a good play. I'm not saying it was a horrible play, but you could have sealed the deal in regulation. You could have. And none of that takes place if you seal the deal in regulation. So that leads me to talk about game two and how I think the rest of the series is going to go. We do not know about the health of Andre Iguodala. He's doubtful. Klay Thompson apparently will play with that ankle injury that he looks scary in game one, but he's he's supposed to play. And the Cavaliers still have a chance to steal a game in, in Oakland because all they really need to do is steal one and then go home and play two in their house, in the Kings' house. So what I think the keys for the Cavaliers to do in game two, LeBron James is going to obviously have to score 40-plus, I think. You know, it was great to see him go out there and get 50, but he's going to need 40-plus at least. He's going to have to average like 45 this series, I think so. But the keys for success going to have to be seeing Kevin Love get established. He had 21 in Game 1. I want to see J.R. Smith and George Hill play better. J.R. had 10, 3 of 10 shooting in Game 1. George Hill was 2 of 6, 7 points, 5 fouls as well. And I want to see both of those guys step out because I want to see them step up because if you look across at the other backcourt, they're pretty much, you know, overpowering them. You know, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, the Splash Brothers. So if George Hill and J.R. Smith, I know they have to defend those guys, but if they can, you know, put up something, you know, more competent, maybe combine for 30. They only combined for 17 and still had a chance to win. If they could, you know, combine for 30, you know, maybe even 35-40. I think they'll be in great shape to win game two. Also, I want to see the Cavaliers have more bench contributions. Jeff Green had seven. I like what Larry Nance was able to do in 19 minutes. He had nine points, 11 rebounds. I know that's my guy. And I have to see more from Jordan Clarkson. He's the first guard off the bench. And he's been looking terrible, man. I used to love JC when he was with the Lakers, man. A lot of people are saying all these bad things about him. Which are starting to look true. But I need to see something from Jordan Clarkson. A guy I know can ball. I've watched the guy since he was at Missouri. But he's looking awful right now. And Kyle Corver. He needs to have a better game. He only had three points. Hit one three. Kyle Corver needs to have ten. If the Cavs want to win game two. And for the Warriors. I'm going to talk about them. What's crazy is. This was not their best game. Okay, they were 13 to 36 on threes, which is 36%. Kevin Durant was 8 for 22. Obviously, we know KD can play better. Klay Thompson shot 50% for the game, 50% from the field and behind the arc. And Steph Curry was 11 for 23. He played relatively well. Draymond Green almost messed around and had a triple-double. But they're going to need some more contributions for their from their bench. Sean Livingston had 10. But Nick Young has to step up. Jordan Bell, I got to see him do more things, even though he does a lot of good things that don't show up in the stat sheet. But all in all, I have the Warriors winning in six. I think LeBron James is good enough to get the Cavs, you know, at least put them in position to win two games. We saw what happened in game one. Will he have the energy to propel those guys and put them in the same opportunity as they were in game one to win game two and and more games this series? I do think Golden State is going to win in six just because you just look at who they have and who Cleveland doesn't. And they're pretty much stacked because LeBron James and Kevin Durant pretty much equal out. Then you have the Splash Brothers. They 
overmatch Cleveland's backcourt and whoever they're bringing off the bench. And then you got Draymond Green, Kevin Love. So it's going to be very instant. However, I am rooting for Cleveland because I'm just tired of Golden State. Um, I think that everybody talks about KD going to the Warriors. There's nothing we can do about it. But I'm rooting for the underdog in this series. I mean, I I don't really care because neither team is the Lakers. So I don't care, but I am going to root for someone. I just want to see a good series. And I just want to see something crazy happen. I got to give LeBron James credit, you know, after Kyrie Irving being traded. And pretty much they're getting, you know, scrap metal for Kyrie. They only, they got Isaiah Thomas and those older guys. They got those guys out. So now it's just... Clarkson, Larry Nance, and George Hill. Rodney Hood doesn't even play. He's a free agent this summer. He doesn't even play. So, got to give LeBron James credit. And I want to talk about the conference finals. And real quick, I got to give the Boston Celtics a lot of credit. Because I had them winning in the first round. But I didn't know if they would beat Philadelphia. But they did. And they took Cleveland a 7 without their two cogs. Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. Even though I think the dynamics are going to change a lot next season. Because Kyrie Irving isn't... He's not that good of a defender. The ball the, the ball does not move the same. But, I mean, I'm not saying he's... he's not. A, I'm not saying he's a bad defender, but he's... They were playing better defensively without him is what I'm trying to say. Essentially. And then you're going to have Gordon Hayward coming back. So, it's going to be... I, hot take. I don't think Kyrie Irving is going to get a new deal after his contract is up from the Celtics because they just got so many guys they're going to have to pay. Al Horford is locked up just for a couple more years. Gordon Hayward is locked up for like three more years. And then by that time, Gordon Hayward, I mean, I'm sorry, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to have new contracts. They're going to be eligible for max contracts. And they've been producing very well. I just want to see how the dynamic of the team is going to change because I feel like when Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward come back, it's going to take some shine away from Jason Tatum, who I think has a chance to be a star. And he compliments, you know, he can compliment any team, but he has star potential. And I think that, in a way, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward will derail that. But it's going to be interesting to see. I'm going to talk about Cavs and Warriors. And, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to finish that up. Like I said, I got Golden State in six. Game two is tonight in Oakland. Yeah, but I hope everybody is, you know, enjoying their weekend. It's been a long time since I got to talk to you guys. And, yeah, I'll probably be back after the series unless something very, very instant or unforeseen happens. That's when I'll come back. But I just want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being patient with me because it's been a minute. I wanted to drop something a long time ago, but time gets away from us guys and i hope you guys can understand that and relate to where i'm coming from so i want to thank everybody for listening one last time mike curry signing out episode number 53 is done peace